1: Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL Fuller-Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL's Josh Miller. Good evening, Josh. Hello, Dan. And this evening, we're talking about clothing and apparel with Rafi Kletchian of Mervic Group. He'll join us in just a few minutes. But first, as usual, a bit of a tour of uh, some of the entrepreneurial news and notes of the week. And uh, let's start with uh, a couple of uh, notes from you, actually, Josh. You just got back from... Uh, from Hong Kong.
2: Hong Kong and Shanghai this time. I I, I do spend most of my time uh, when I'm traveling in Asia, it's mostly Hong Kong. But this time uh, I got to escape uh, and meet some colleagues and friends and, and clients in Shanghai. And it, it is quite a difference in worlds. I mean, Hong—you know—Shanghai is is built up over the last twenty years. It's it's uh, you know there's a lot of business that gets done there. It gets done at its own you know communist pace. Uh, there's a little bit of capitalism that gets thrown in from the westerners that go, uh, but there's there's no question that it's not Hong Kong. I mean, Hong Kong as i always describe to people—it's essentially New York City on speed. Uh, So anything and everything can get done. Although Hong Kong itself has had some, a little bit of slowdowns lately. You know, you used to be able to open up a bank account in a day or two or three. Now, you know, in in the past, it's taken about, you know, two, three, four weeks to open up a bank account. All compliance procedures, you know, everybody is so afraid of everybody else's shadow. Uh, Although to the point that Hong Kong government has spoken to the financial institutions and said, you know what, don't be... As anal as you have been, I mean, yes, do your compliance, but really try and cut back so that it only takes a, a week or two. We'll see how that uh, that settles in over time. But there's no question things happen at a very, very fast pace. Things happen in their own pace. Uh, I'll say that what what always stands out in in every environment, and we've spoken about this quite a bit, uh, you know, with different entrepreneurs is and, and where they work in different regions is just you got to understand. The culture in the region that you operate. If you don't understand the culture, you are basically you might as well leave before you even start. Uh, if you don't understand, you know certain aspects and and, and you know the Chinese culture where there's a hundred different ways to say no, uh, or you know there's a there's a certain level of humility that needs to be expressed, uh, you know, or certain certain styles that they have. You you know don't even bother starting.
1: You've been so, doing these um, these trips for how many years now?
2: Oh, I would say close to uh, twenty, about seventeen years now, sixteen years.
1: So how have you seen the relationship between Canadian entrepreneurs and uh, and Chinese companies evolve over that over that time?
2: Well, I think it's more the how Chinese companies have come to learn and adapt a little bit more to the Western culture. Uh, you know, there's always an adaptation. You know, when you're going there, there's no question the Western have to adapt to, uh, to to the Eastern culture. But what I've seen more in the last five, ten years is the opposite: is the Eastern trying to fit in with with the Western culture to the point that if, if you're walking in Shanghai and you're walking along the river, uh, what they call the Bund, there's there's some. There's some. First of all, it's not all Chinese. There's a whole bunch of different types of, of of stores and and clubs and restaurants and all that. They definitely welcome the Western culture. Now, everybody has to watch out. They're welcoming it, but we're still under an air of communism, so they're welcoming it uh, very uh, carefully, very gingerly. Uh, you don't always have great access to your internet, depending who your provider is and and what you're trying to look up. So there, there's definitely some hindrances and some obstacles to doing business and getting things done. But we also know that the that many Chinese nationals that have accumulated a lot of wealth want to spread their wealth beyond the Chinese borders. So for them to do that, I mean, other than trying to get their money out of China, which can be uh, maybe not the easiest thing and you have to apply to the government for They want to understand that Western culture because they need, they want their children to understand it. They want to be more worldly, whether it's a takeover the world kind of thing or whether it's a protection of assets kind of thing. Uh, It's in their best interest to understand the West
1: let's talk about a, uh, a fun evening coming up uh, that FL is sponsoring uh, for entrepreneurs and it's kind of like a storytelling show in a way
2: it is and uh, it's actually our our sister uh, division our sister company P uh by FL and basically I can't really say the name of it on air <laughs> we'll call it uh, F up nights or or, or or foul up nights or however you want to call it I think people will get the gist but we always have we always get the you know, go to these cocktails and these events and and entrepreneurs always want to learn from other from everybody else, but they always want they always get the success stories. They always get, hey, what worked? Like on this show. Like on this show. This is these are success stories. But what what I think our listeners really appreciate is when they hear the screw ups, when they hear what didn't work and the lessons they learned. And these F up nights, uh, they're all about entrepreneurs. It's gonna be three entrepreneurs and they're gonna tell they have 10 minutes. Uh, sorry seven minutes and 10 slides to talk about their failure and it's only talking about their failure and what they learn and it's going to be super awesome it's going to be at le Salon, uh 1861 at uh, 550 Richmond Street uh, on November 15th from 6 to eight uh, you can you can go online in all social media and google uh, f up nights uh, certainly you can spell it out and uh and come find it. it's going to be uh, gonna be a lot of fun
1: if you want to check out the Facebook page, it's uh, Facebook.com/slash/FunMontreal, and uh, a couple of quick news stories here before we head over to uh, to Rafi. Um, this uh, this is a microbrewery that uh, that I've been uh, frequenting for a long time, Ziad UCL here in Montreal, and they just keep uh, getting bigger and bigger. And I think it's this is a this is a story about
2: experimentation. This is a story about these couple of guys that just really follow their passion, follow their dream, but were able to experiment. We're able to, you know, it wasn't perfect out of the gate, but they have, you know, they they embraced the culture of Montreal. It's who we were talking about, if you understand the culture. And they took this location, and said, you know what? Beer in Montreal, great. You know, of course it sells well. And people like the microbrewery concept. They like the craft beers. And they basically started this craft beer uh pub um, you know, many years ago. And they you know, kept making new ones every day, new ones every day until such a point where people started to really like the ones that they were remaking and remaking. And they just grew and grew and started to bottle them, sell them a little at a time. And now it's a, it's a great success story based on the fact that, you know, you hear a lot about focus groups and testing. They just created their, their own, I won't say 24 seven because they weren't open 24 seven, but you know, 3 PM to 3 AM them you know, getting beer out there and testing their recipes. Yeah. What a, what a great idea.
1: It's so cool to be uh, at a bar in Toronto and to see uh, Ziu Zio Rose Hibiscus Beer on the menu and I was like, well, I'm, I, I go to the bar all the time where they make that. Um, so they're a great success story. Uh, another interesting story now um, about this, this phenomenon of, uh, I like to call them millennial hobbies. Uh, we have all kinds of, uh, uh, there's the axe throwing now which is popular oh, yeah. and, and escape rooms are everywhere now.
2: Escape rooms, I, this is something that it, you know it's been popular for for a few years now, but there's still there's still so much room for growth. Uh, it, you know we keep talking about uh, you know how does it how does it work within companies? You know what's the culture? And it's very collaborative cultures that that we see a lot of companies embrace. This is just an extension of that. This is just a team building from a collaborative aspect, and it's great from so many aspects. Not only for millennials, but it's across a lot of generations. It's great for some old real estate locations so it repurposes a lot of real estate in Montreal uh, I think there there's so many benefits to these uh, these locations these uh, the, whether it's a maze or or what have you uh, I, I think it's it's phenomenal and it's not
1: going to slow down it's going to keep going Coming up we'll uh, chat with uh, Rafi Collection of Merva Group about his apparel business uh,
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by F.L. Fuller Landau. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar, and F.L.'s Josh Miller with you. And this evening, we welcome into studio Rafi Kletchian of Mervic Group. Uh, Rafi, welcome to Today's Entrepreneur. Thank you. So first question, the easiest, tell me about Mervic Group. So, Mervic
3: Group, uh, first of all, the name uh, started out as uh, the founding members, uh, my brother, Mino, uh, myself, Rafi, my sister, Victoria, Kaleshin, That's what the Mervic stands for. Uh, We started the company in 2003. And uh, when we started the company, the concept was to offer uh, design and screen printing services for the textile and garment industry.
2: Now, were you... Where the three of you in this industry beforehand, like how did you guys get together and start this
3: idea? My sister uh, originally studied here in fashion. She worked for a lot of different companies uh, here locally. My brother's background was design as well, uh, more in the interior. So he was in the retail side of business, stuff like that. And mine was in the graphics and marketing of uh, not only apparel, but in general.
2: Now, did you guys, were you guys close when you were growing up?
3: Mm -hmm. very close growing up we had our disagreements and stuff like that but uh, we were very close I mean my brother studied in Toronto as well and then he moved uh, to Montreal because he uh, studied here as well my sister came directly here to study after graduating and uh, I studied in Toronto
2: so you're you're dealing basically you deal with the consumer you deal with wholesalers who do you sell to
3: So when we originally started the business, it was uh, to offer service to the textile industry. A lot of the major uh, licenses, let's say we're doing a lot of Marvel, a lot of screen printing for different companies at the time. We then started moving into offering design services for some of these companies. We were doing a lot of brand development, and uh, we had a lot of success with that. So that was in 2003, 2004, and 2005. As we started seeing the success, we said, "Wait a minute, um, we want to offer some of these items to ourselves." So, start introducing our own brands and things like that. So, that's where we had success, and then we realized that we wanted to get into retail locations. So, it got very interesting after that.
2: But it, it was an evolution. I mean, when you first started and you were getting the licenses, whether it was Marvel, whatever. I mean, you're you're brand new, getting like what was that that first that first desire? Did, and did you have a plan going in?
3: So. Just to clarify, we never had the licenses. Uh, We were printing for those companies that had the licenses. Right. So we extended a service, so we were very service-oriented. We started that because uh, we were great at uh, screen printing. That's the service that we were selling. And we also had the design portion. So people felt more and more comfortable to uh, come to us for the services that we were
1: doing. Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD 800 with Rafi Clutching of Mervic Group. More with Rafi in just a moment.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult FL Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on FLMontreal.com.
1: Today's entrepreneur on CJD 800, our guest is Rafi Kletjin of Mervic Group. Uh, Rafi, you work with a, a lot of some it's pretty serious international brands. How did you start by developing those relationships and, and becoming sort of the go-to person for some of those big names?
3: So one of the ways that we became, um, I guess, one of the more recognized go-to companies was due to the scale and the volume of work we were able to produce at the time. Uh, we were able to produce eight to 9,000 uh, printed goods a day. We had about 25 contractors on hand. So the volume was key, but also the fact that we were able to offer multiple services where we were doing contract sewing at the time as well as doing uh, the screen printing uh, and finishing. So it was a lot more interesting for a company to have everything finished in one place instead of having to ship things around. Um, so yeah, that that's one of the main reasons.
2: So you really had all the manufacturing pretty much under one roof. Yes. But there must have been evolution. I mean, you know, it's Montreal, so nobody, mm-hmm. n- there's very few that keep their manufacturing. Uh, you know, they certainly a lot that went to imports. Was there a stage or a timing for you that you kind of shifted from manufacturing to more imported, at least in the sewing part, maybe not in the sales crew
3: So that's exactly what happened. Like in 2004 and 2005, we realized that, um, doing local sewing uh, and manufacturing was becoming uh, very difficult a lot more companies were starting to go overseas anyways so that business was starting to um, kind of taper off but the screen printing business was still going very strong that's what actually a lot of people were coming to us for um, as well as our design services so that's how the transition started and when we saw that success we were, okay, well, this has become very successful. What can we do next? So that's when we started getting the idea of maybe starting to uh, create our own brands. And we created a brand called Finn and Lude at the time uh, that we were selling to retail locations. And
2: these are brands of particular apparel? They're
3: more streetwear, uh, lifestyle apparel uh, that we were uh, selling across Canada. And in fact, we got into a couple of uh, North American uh, retailers as well. Uh, and had great success and again with success comes wanting to do more uh, so the evolution next was to maybe open our own store locations
2: so now before you get to the store locations I mean you're you're building a brand it's one thing to work for other brands they already have it built when you're building your own brand I mean w- what is the first step what goes to your mind do you, ha- do you have a long term vision or is it like we're going to build it if it doesn't happen in three months that's it we're dropping it w- what's kind of the first st- thoughts or steps that, that go into building that brand
3: so that's, that's one of the lessons that we learned is we didn't really know um, as far as building a brand, all the elements that it took. We were great at developing graphics for customers, uh, manufacturing, producing, delivering on time, and all the great stuff. When you came into brand development, there was a lot of that had to go into marketing, into design, into development. And it wasn't just about the great products you made. There was a hundred other things uh, that came along with it, shipping it on time all kinds of chargebacks so there's a lot of learning there uh, that went on
2: and a, and a lot of lessons that you've learned along the way including you know accepting customers and creating a formal process and when we come back from the break we'll talk a little bit about that some marketing some human resource uh, lots of stuff still to still to go
1: more with rafi Kolechian of mervic group in just a moment on today's entrepreneur Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar and FL's Josh Miller with you. And this evening, we're in conversation with Rafi Kletchin of Mervic Group. Uh, since 2003, Rafi, you guys have been uh, um, sort of producing various apparel uh, for big multinationals. Uh, a family business since the very beginning. You, you work with your brother and sister. Uh, tell me how that has been. Uh, has it been an advantage for the business for you guys being so close? And how do you resolve a dispute when uh, when there's uh, some Disagreement with the family? A very, very interesting question. <laughs> um, yes, we still do work
3: together and we've definitely had our moments. Uh, they're where... listening, so you know,
1: <laughs> they're not calling in, but they're listening.
3: So, and I think that's just great for business, right? I mean, we've had our share of disagreements, uh, we've had our um, arguments, if you want to call it. But over time, I think you come to uh, respect. Um, each of your siblings but also understand what their strength and capabilities are and trust and i think we've went through the last 13 14 years and we're now at a place where we truly understand and respect each other but more so we all have our own areas of strength and you know my sister takes care of production, my brother's over financing and I oversee with sales and uh, new product development. So we've kind of found our niche, our strength and uh, are taking care of it like that
2: you, you know trust is a is a very big word and it's it's we deal with we see a lot of family businesses here on air and we you know in our, in our professional lives. And trust is great and it's there at the beginning, but I think siblings and family members still have to work on it because silence can be deadly. Yes. If you don't, if you don't communicate with each other, that trust will ultimately wane. So the communication is still hugely important, which I presume you and your siblings, uh, they talk so a lot. Important.
3: Absolutely. I mean, trust is a key uh, factor to success and the success that we have been having. I can close my eyes and trust exactly and I know exactly what's gonna happen. If I need to take a day off, I can take a day off. I know that they're there to cover. And uh, most of all, the moment we walk through those doors, we know that it's all business. And, you know, we have our disagreements, we have our arguments, but it's for the better of the business. And I think that's one of the unique things about us that's helped us better ourselves and we do uh, we look back you know every year what did we do what were some of the great things and you know, if we have to modify something, if we have to change something, we're very receptive and open to that as well.
2: So you have some formality to it, it's not just an informal talk. You Do you actually create some formal meetings?
3: Absolutely. Uh, we actually have a meeting every second Monday just to discuss what has happened over the last couple of weeks, what are some of the new coming projects, what do we have up and coming. So that, that communication regularly happens with us and through the staff. Um, and that's what helps us stay on top.
2: Now let's let's come back. We were, we were talking about branding b- before the the half hour, and we didn't quite get into the marketing aspect. But certainly, you're you know in the apparel world, uh, if people and certainly when you're building a brand, if you can't market, if people don't know who you are and the name, and that it doesn't doesn't resonate with them, then it's a problem. So. What have you done? What's worked for you from a marketing a- aspect or maybe what hasn't worked for you from a marketing aspect uh, along the way from, from when you started in 2003?
3: So marketing today is very different than marketing in 2003. Uh, marketing is a key part of um, not only your business success but awareness and everything else that comes along with it. So in 2003, 2004, we didn't do much of any marketing. Business was just coming in and we didn't need... Um, as much marketing because we weren't soliciting as much. Uh, where we are today, I mean, most of our business is done on business to business. So marketing is a big part of it. And around 2007, 2008, when we were doing the brands, uh, doing a lot of trade shows, doing a lot of fashion shows were a big part of uh, marketing. And eventually- Do you find
2: them useful? Trade shows? Are they useful?
3: Trade shows used to be very useful. They still are somewhat. But I think with uh, everything that's online today with internet, things are moving at such a fast pace that I, fashion trade shows are good, but not what they used to mean a long time ago. And that's the difference today. Is,
2: But if you're absent, your absence is noticed.
3: You're absent. You didn't see your colleagues. You didn't see your friends. You still need to have uh, your image there and everything else, but it's not, uh,
1: less and less people are doing it. Speaking of online business, has, has the online demand forced you guys to, uh, put out product a lot faster
3: these days? So online is a big part of our business. And what we've done with online is it's helped, um, us kind of look at our business a little bit differently, uh, where we were before providing service to other industries, Uh, Today, we're providing a lot of custom uh, apparel services to a lot of niche markets, be it the restaurant market, be it the groceries, be it corporate, where we do a lot of team association business. So we're going directly to the business that will be the end user or will resell the product. And the Internet is a big part of how we do our marketing. But also, I think for other customers today, that's the most important thing is also to be visible. So image is key.
2: And when you're talking about getting direct to the customer and then you have a lot of entrepreneurs that like to go vertical, mm-hmm. you did venture into the retail space.
3: We definitely did.
2: How how was that experience? How long did it last? Because I don't believe you have retail anymore. Tell we us don't. a little
3: bit. So retail started in 2006. Uh, our first location was on Pine Street. Uh, It was a boutique fin. We opened the second one across from Ubisoft, the year to follow. And then we opened the third location in a mall location in 2008 in Rosemare. And we learned very quickly that retail is not for everyone. Our strength, uh, our success was in providing a service. And retail was a whole different dynamic that we were not... um, aware of what it took to be successful so very quickly by 2000 end of 2009 uh we closed those doors
2: didn't didn't take long for you to realize
3: well that's one of that's what's made us also good as well is because uh when we're not successful at something and something's not going wrong um, we do want to end it quickly, and I think that's one of the keys to successful companies is when they realize something's not working for them, that they you know do what's necessary, but close it or turn it off.
2: And, and speaking, of what's not working? We were talking a little off air, and you know, not everybody has great customer experiences. Somebody always gets burned by a customer. Uh, hopefully, early on. Hopefully, it doesn't cost too much. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I think I'd love for you to share. You know, one experience where you were burned, and then that changed a process that helped you uh gain better customer experience in the future
3: for sure so that and it has happened and it still does happen uh it i mean if you can avoid getting burnt that's the way to do it but what we have uh it did happen to us once in 2011 where we developed a lot of um how can you say it? a seasonal collection imported the products and the uh, customer decided to uh, cancel the order cancel the order or move on his own and we were stuck with a lot of Uh, product and money that was owed. So what we've done now is anytime we're developing a collection or collection a product, what we do is we request a portion of the payments up front and balance when it's completed. We do have uh, also a customer um, guideline that we like to follow is we look at who they've worked with in the past and what their business is and what they do as well. So we pay a lot of attention to our customers nowadays because
2: a little bit of preventative medicine too, when you ask yeah. the questions up front. Yeah,
3: yeah. I th- I think anytime you come across a good customer, you're gonna feel that you're gonna know that. But there's nothing wrong to make sure that you know who you're working with and build that business and relationship with them as well.
2: Just, just before we get to the next break, uh, you know, you, you've been in business for you know a good 13 years now with your siblings. That, you know, have had mostly some some good years. Things are going strong. What's next? Do you have a vision going forward?
3: So what's been very exciting for us um, over the last year and a half and two is um, all of our experience in fashion, streetwear and apparel. Uh, we've been getting uh, and turning it into more of the, let's say, the restaurants. The All of these new trendy restaurants are coming to us for all kinds of unique and cool apparel. We're doing a lot of team sports. Uh, we even launched a website called Newcore uh, that you can go online and customize your own product and receive an email. So there's a lot of exciting stuff that we're doing that's direct to businesses or organizations, um, and that's that's probably going to be the future for us um, as more and more people look for custom products and custom sportswear uh, and anything to better their image, be it their restaurant, be it their club. Um, we just finished doing something for say, shares as well. So those are exciting stuff
2: that's how you're reinventing yourself.
1: So Rafi, uh, stick around. We'll have your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur in just a few minutes. And coming up next, uh, Ernie Furt will be along, tax partner at Fuller Landau, Josh. And uh, what's he talking about tonight?
2: Well, it's uh, not not the funnest topic, but it's, a re- it's an important topic. It hits a lot of entrepreneurs, audits. Government mm-hmm. audits, you know, what you should look out for, things you should pay attention to. Uh, those are some interesting challenges for entrepreneurs. All right, we'll talk about audits next.
1: Inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and FL's Josh Miller with you. Rafi Kalecian in studio from Mervic Group. i will have his one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur just uh, in a few minutes. Uh, but first, we welcome back Ernie Furt, tax partner at FL, uh, to talk about ooh, the, the A-word, uh, audits. Um, first, very, very simple question. Let's start in a really basic way, Ernie. Uh, why do people get audited? Uh, and typically, what triggers an audit? There's many There's
4: many ways that they get audited. Uh, you have different industries that are more pervasive and and the the governments are looking at those industries, such as the restaurant industry, such as the clothing industry. Um, They're looking at construction. They're looking at employment agencies. So so there's targeted uh, areas. There's also targets based on statistics. So if they run some statistics and you don't meet the norm, they will look they could look at you as well sometimes it's luck of the draw and sometimes you do stupid things and fluctuate all kinds of monies up and down and there's no rhyme or reason to what you're doing okay and they look at it and they say well this doesn't make sense you have the situation where you have a guy who could do a net worth audit and and because he's living in Westmount and making five thousand dollars a year and <laughs> drives a mercedes and they don't really know that he inherited a lot of money from his parents okay or he won a lottery or something like that but they will come in they will they will look at those situations sometimes it's easy to get out of it other times they found the proverbial gold mine or so they believe
2: but they do I, I mean they they do look at you know house sales they look at car registration and try and match it to where you live uh, you know, they, they, there's a lot of agents on the ground that have time on their hands and a very broke government that needs lots of money.
4: You know, I've seen a situation where somebody that I know didn't declare a sale of a country house. They lost a lot of money on that country house, but they didn't declare the sale. All of a sudden, the government calls them, how come he didn't declare the sale? And the guy was freaking out completely, didn't realize it. All of a sudden, I said, you have a loss. Oh, okay, but you should have declared it. Oh, I didn't realize that I had to declare it. But that loss was useless to him because it was a, it was on personal use property, so he couldn't he couldn't claim that loss. But you know, all the government saw is a sale document. So the sale document has to match something that's declared.
2: And you know, it's the the statistics and I, I read upon statistics in the US a little bit versus Canada in the in the states uh, the IRS publishes that there is less than one half of 1% chance that a small business gets audited. Now, once they audit you, they might dig their claws into you, you can never let loose, but a huge, a really small chance here, uh, you know, I don't recall what this exact statistics are, but between the sales tax department and the corporate income tax department for both Canada and Quebec, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, all these different departments there, uh, at least from a practical sense, uh, You know, we see at least a quarter of businesses get audited, if
1: not far more than that, at least in one aspect of their business. And we'll have more on audits uh, in just a moment. And Rafi's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur that's on the way.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult FL Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Rafi collecting one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur on the way, but first, uh, chatting with Ernie Furt, tax partner at FL, about being audited. Anything, Ernie, that a business can do to uh, to be proactive and prevent themselves from being audited?
4: I think businesses
1: should be smart, and they
4: and uh, and an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So effectively, you know, if you're going to claim GST and QST credits, everybody has to be registered. So the, the your customers have to be registered. So you have to check the verification of the the registration numbers and you can do that on the website. You can hire a kid to go do this right at the beginning hour and and periodically every month you can hire the same kid to spend two days at your office at $12 an hour or whatever you want to pay him and it's beats the hell out of paying a, a, a an accountant and lawyer over $500 an hour to fight something that's silly. Accountants are expensive. Accountants are expensive. Lawyers are expensive. (laughs) Well
2: worth it, Dan. Well worth it if you need it.
4: So you got to check your numbers. You got to make sure things are right. You know, if you do, if you, if you're dealing with a supplier, you're dealing with George, and George, you know, comes in this week and says, "Okay, you know, why don't you give me, uh, you know, I'm going to bill you from Company ABC this week, and next week he comes in, I'm going to bill you from Company DEF, Mm -hmm. and then he continues this this pace. You say, "Well, okay, what's going on with George? Why is he using so many different companies? you got to start questioning what's going on. Be aware. Be smart. Do things intelligently and don't try to save a couple of nickels when it's going to end up costing you a whole lot of dollars at the end.
2: Because to fight it afterwards could result not only in accounting fees but legal fees, et cetera, et cetera. Denial
4: of expenses, you know, every time there's there's all kinds of things that they look at. Uh, and they made changes in construction industry requiring attestations. There's all kinds of things.
2: Excellent. Thank you very much, Ernie. And as we uh, hit the last minute of our show this week, we'll turn to Rafi and uh, and ask you, Rafi, uh, from the Mervic Apparel Group, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur?
3: My one piece of advice would be, I think, is focus. Um, with all that uh, that's currently available for um, businesses today and the growth of a business. I think sometimes we forget and we lose focus and what's made us successful uh, and what's really working for us. Um, so my advice is if you're starting something and stay with what you're really good at, continue to promote that, continue to market that, and people will come to you for that.
2: Great. Thanks, Rafi. Dan, my, my one little takeaway uh, was about Rafi's story about retail. They went into it. They realized that it wasn't working and they got out. They, you know, they went in, they thought about it, but they failed and learned quickly and moved on. They didn't linger, uh, and that's a great failure story when we're thinking about our, our fun nights, Montreal. Uh, it's it's a great lesson to be learned
3: do what you're good at
1: Rafi Kalecian of Mervic Group thanks for stopping by Rafi
3: thank you for having me
1: and thanks to Ernie Furt as well from FL don't forget to check out uh, that fun night F Up Nights Montreal presented by uh, Fuller Landau facebook.com slash fun Montreal if you want to share your story as an entrepreneur check that out and we're back next week at 7pm uh, talking about the restaurant business yeah restaurant Doka Griffintown the night side is next on CJD have a good night